Welcome into the Otson Audibles podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Welcome to your Friday edition of the show, or maybe you're listening to this on Saturday. Hey, we've made it, guys. Uh, football is here. Football week one has already been played. More games will air Friday night, and then the huge slate Saturday, which includes number 11, Oregon, at number three, Georgia, from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. Kickoff set for 12.30 p.m. Pacific time, 3.30 p.m. local time. ABC, uh, Sean McDonough, Todd Blackledge, and Molly McGrath are on the call for this one. Uh, It's not ABC's A team, but it's basically their B team. This is a game that's going to you know, warrant game of the week discussion um it's just matched up with a couple other ones that fit that same bill um there's a lot going into this one there's a lot of excitement going into this one and um going into this season we've had an opportunity to to talk with dan a couple times uh and he's he's pretty buttoned up right now i mean you get the sense this is a big game when you talk to dan and the closer we get to this game kicking off Dan's answers, Dan's uh, demeanor is getting shorter and shorter. And that, you know, he doesn't share a lot and he's not sharing as much details on who starts at quarterback. We know there's a leader at kicker, uh, but things are, are, are pretty, pretty buttoned up with, with, with the Oregon football program one day out. Yeah. Hi- highlight of Wednesday's final Dan media availability is James Crepe asking if there's a leader at kicker and landing saying yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Dan. So every competition is buttoned up, no depth chart. We're going to go into it as a fan, as I think for us as media, kind of blind with what this is going to look like. Yep. We had um, Jordan Hill from the Georgia side on a couple of days ago, and we were both kind of talking about how just, gosh, like neither of these teams <laughs> have told us much of anything about what they're going to, like what this is going to look like from a personnel perspective. So it is, it is a little bit of a different deal. And I think it's going to be actually really exciting as somebody covering this Oregon team just to like, this is genuinely like presents under the Christmas tree. You didn't have, you have no idea what your parents bought. You know, like you just have no concept. You didn't give a list or something. Like you just have no concept. You have no idea what you're going to see to a certain extent. I mean, that's probably not totally true because I think we all expect Bo Nix to be quarterback, but there's a bunch of positions where it's like, I, I mean, I don't know. Dante Thornton was a scout team receiver this week. I thought he was your starting Z. Like, could he still be? Could be. Dan said he can still be a big part of the game plan and also be part of the scout team, but thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, I you know, I've had Noah Whittington as 1A or 1B with Marquise Irving, Bucky Irving, for running back for the last month. He was also in scout team uniform. Um, there's a bunch of guys on defense, same kind of deal, where maybe not your top, top guys, but players we think pretty highly of who are wearing scout team numbers. So <clears throat> there's just a lot of uncertainty about kind of what this looks like from a personnel perspective. I think we do have an idea from an injury perspective. And unless things change rapidly, which they could, it's a good thing. Things are in a pretty good space right now. Um, It's really just the same names we mentioned, I think, on Tuesday's show, which is Jaden Navarrete has been completely absent for a very long time. Um, Media did see Suava Podi and Mikhail Afese entering Wednesday's practice. Um, Not really entering the practice, entering the weight room while the other team kind of walked to practice. Both players have boots on their foot. Um, 
Podies is like a full-on big right boot, and it looked like Afayasi had kind of more of like a high ankle brace kind of thing. It wasn't. Hmm. I know Jared, you didn't see that. James, no. Kreppi, James Kreppi and I were the ones who caught that one. Um, James says boot for Afayasi. I'd say more like big ankle taping rather than a boot. It looked like he had a. Okay. Looked like he had just like training shoes on and a big ankle tape. So on his left foot, and the other one was on the right. So. Now, now, big ankle tape, is that a medical terminology? That is very medical terminology. Good, it's, the good, most, good. It's, it's the most medical terminology. Big old <laughs> ankle tape. Uh, a lot of it. They used a ton of it. They probably used a full two couple rolls on that thing. No, I'm just good kidding. Good Lord, that is stable. Yeah, that thing, that thing ain't going anywhere. Um, so, no, but so those are, those are the three guys that we can tell you with pretty good confidence aren't playing, I think. Navarrete, I mean, I, I, I will try to find out maybe next week. I wouldn't be stunned if like Navarrete is is like really seriously out for the season kind of thing, or I don't know. Could if we've hypothesized no reporting? Like, is he still with the team? Is, is he away for something non-injury related? Um, we don't know, but he's just been completely absent for several weeks. But um, those three we won't expect to see on defense, and then offensively, you've got a couple of offensive linemen who I think we can pretty confidently say aren't probably playing or playing pretty limited roles. Jackson Powers Johnson and Bram Walden, neither of them. We're at either practice we watched this week on Tuesday or Wednesday. Both have been kind of in and out of practice all fall. Yeah. Um, you know, I think both, I think, were back last week for a couple practices or at least they were one. Both, yeah, they were both at least back for one last week. And I, then, I think yeah. Powers Johnson was there for two, if not. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I think it I think what it was was Walden was there for the first practice of the week and then gone the second and then. Iris Johnson was there for both practices and now gone both this week after he had missed several days earlier in camp. So we'll see what happens. I don't know how much of an impact that will play. I don't expect, I didn't really expect Walden to be much of a factor this year. And I think Jackson Paris Johnson certainly can be, but felt like he was at best your sixth, maybe seventh or eighth offensive lineman and probably one of your first interior guys off the bench if you need him. So that one could hurt if there's an injury or, or yep. something, but um, all things considered, I think you pre feel pretty good going into a big game. That, you know, I mean, again, I'm knocking on wood here. You, Oregon seems to have dodged that really devastating kind of fall camp preseason injury, and you go into game one feeling like they've kind of got all hands on deck. Definitely have all hands on deck. And I've done this before, but you compare it to, to last season, and obviously you have all the major injuries after week one. But before then, you had Patrick Herbert and Jackson LeDuc, who both seemingly had season-ending injuries. For Herbert, it was. For LeDuc, he came back in the last three games of the season. You, the first Utah game, Oregon State, and then the second Utah game, and then was out against Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl. Um, so, yeah, like, like Eric is mentioning, it's you feel good about where the team is injury-wise and health-wise. Obviously, you know, things could have – you know, things could go terribly wrong today, but we're going to knock on wood all day long and make sure that, that that doesn't happen because when you knock on wood, it's it's legit. It's it's a real thing. So everybody at home, knock on wood. Um, to go back to some earlier points about Dan Lanning and just his ability to wrap up everything and not concede who's starting where and everything like that, I it's really impressive. <laughs> I mean, he's uh, he, A, he's learned from two great, coaches and Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. Um, he's done a he's done a very good job. He's he's very clearly at this point told the team, but uh, very clearly has not told anybody else. Uh, the team has done a good job of keeping it under wraps. Um, I think we all have a general idea of who's going to be starting where, but uh, it, you know, it's hard to put, I guess, like pen to pad or, or keyboard to 
internet, I guess, in terms of predicting this. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what pen to pad is in the internet era. Um, oh man, I like, I, I, I like. There is my, my computer has a notepad that I could, uh, I could, I oh. could pull up here. Yeah, you got keyboard, a pen though. Keyboard to internet is a new one for me. I haven't heard that. I, I don't. I anyway. Have sticky notes. There you go. Sticky notes. Okay, I'll we'll we'll send sticky notes in the mail from now on for our newsletter. Um, I uh, where was I going? Yeah. So Dan has his staff and and the people who work for the team have done a really good job of keeping things under wrap. And for us as as the media and trying to predict like a depth chart or something like that, um, you know, we have our ideas, but they could be totally wrong at this point. And it, a to go back to Eric's first very first point about how it's like Christmas morning with all of with with watching the game for the first time. I'm I'm terrified. I gotta say, I'm terrified to see the team for the first time because not only is it very important to watch this game and see how Oregon does against the best competition in college football or one of the best teams in college football, presumably, uh, we we gotta pay attention to nearly everything and what formations are they running? Who's running these plays? Um, how often are they switching on both offense and defense? So it's going to be really exciting to do, to watch that game. But yeah, I'm just kind of I'm, I feel like I'm going to be you know, in between watching the game and then watching literally everything else to see what is actually going on, which is inviting. It sounds like it's going to be fun. It's not going to be ideal, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to have a lot of fun doing it, and we're going to be yelling down the hall for for all the people in Duck Media. It's like, did you see that? And so um, it'll be a fun time up there in the press box, but it's gonna be it's gonna be intense for for like the first couple of minutes. Can I give a theory, mm. conspiracy theory Ooh. about oh. the scout team? Conspiracy, man. Always into a conspiracy theory. Let's hear it. I think guys that are viewed as hey, we this is a guy is gonna play, and he all of a sudden he's on the scout team. I think that's like a hundred percent confirmation he's going to be a dude for whatever position he plays during the season, because Dan said that they like to do good on good, and I, I think Dorless wasn't one of those guys, but I don't think you have another Brandon Dorless on the roster, and so if a freak injury happens with with Dorless doing scout team, you're kind of shit out of luck. No. Bad word there, but not to make okay. not to make uh, Thornton expandable. But Oregon's got a bunch of options at receiver, but they're not going to throw. You know, Thornton is going to play, and I th- I think this is them saying he's really good, and it's worth the risk of him going on scout team and team prep. And so I think I think it's a confirmation that they're going to be regular guys, uh, and throughout the season. I hope you're right, Matt, because if, if no Whittington's like actually fourth or fifth in the depth chart, I'm going to look silly based upon what <laughs> I've been saying for the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I just one thought here on uh, I'm, I'm petitioning that we do no game story content. We're just going to be no, taking and taking everything in. Matt, how's that sound? Should we just do no stories from the game? That's just all. Sure. all we okay. don't write it. We don't write anything. We write anything. Crack it all really. Oh, they were in this personnel group. Oh my gosh, this group did this. I'm kidding, but part of me is like that interested that I kind of do yeah. want to just focus my attention more on it. We're, we're doing content planning on the podcast, which is probably not the best podcasting, but but part of me is like, 
uh, I don't have, I, I want to be paying more close attention to actually what they're doing than I normally would covering a game just because I, I genuinely have so many, like that's the stuff that gets me excited is what, what, what they're doing in this group and all that. That's exactly Unfortunately, how I feel. Unfortunately, I think our bosses would say that's what DVR is for. Um, yeah. I was just going to mention I Sunday, <laughs> as soon as we get home from Atlanta, I feel like I'm going to be rewatching that game for hours and hours. And I, I, I don't know if, around me. I don't know if you've got the option, but YouTube TV now allows you to download stuff. And I'm going to download the game so I, I watch can watch it, it on, 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 the flight. on the flight home. Good. That's a good call, Matt. I will, probably, I will probably. I think there's a free seven-day trial for YouTube TV. So There is. Mm. Start mm. pulling out those uh, ericscopel1 at gmail.com, ericscopel2 at gmail.com, <laughs> oh, yes. ericscopel3. <laughs> Oh, you, get, you guys are giving me so many good ideas. <laughs> We're here. All right, let's let's transition over to this game. Some game predictions. Um, we've talked. We've done this this show format last year. So if you're a long time listener, a thank you. Uh, B, this is you know the format of how this is going to go. We're going to go score prediction last. We'll go offensive individual prediction and a, a team prediction for uh, each position group uh starting off so i'll go first with an offensive individual prediction i i think we're gonna see chris hudson score two touchdowns oh, wow. I, I don't know i don't know if it's going to be as a punt returner kick returner or catching touchdown passes it could be all it could be a combination of those um, but i think chris hudson is gonna score two touchdowns in this game for the oregon ducks i'm going Going out big here. First game, really yeah. specific. Uh, I'm going Chris Hudson, two touchdown passes. Or two two touchdowns, two total touchdowns. I, I have a thought before I even jump into mine. Do we want to track and see who does the best at these this year? Last year, I, I always track my Scopaldamas predictions. And by the way, I usually just kind of carry over my Um, Do we want to track these and see who does the best, even though these are kind of goofy, fun, bold predictions as opposed to like we're like right in stone? Maybe a listener can track it. When, if there's a listener out there who's like a diehard, I know a couple of you guys. Some of the guys throw a lot of questions in the mailbag. If you guys listen a lot and you guys want to keep track for us, maybe maybe have like you, you can come up with your own scoring system. Um, leave that in the comments if you guys are interested in doing that because we're going to do this all season. And I'm just curious to see how we do. Um, Matt, I like yours. That's super bold. Um, I think it, the good thing with Chris is like he could score a touchdown in special teams. You know, I mean, there's yeah. there's a there's a variety of ways for him to get there. Um, I'm gonna go not the boldest, but it's an indication that the offense will do have some success. Which is Bo Nix throws for more yards in this game than he has in any of his previous meetings against Georgia. Um, the high previous highest 245 in 2019. I was um, gonna say freshman year at Auburn. It's not a huge number. No, but. <laughs> But you have to realize also that I think like only Bryce Young was the only quarterback last year to throw for like more than 300 yards against this defense. And I know it's obviously a very different defense. I just think there's going to be more success to be had throwing the football than than some fans would expect. Um, obviously, a lot of what Georgia lost is in its front seven. But I think the carryover there is that Knicks might have a little more time to pass and maybe they can get a couple of balls deep. Maybe it is Chris Hudson who gets behind the defense and, and, they, and they connect on a long one. But I just think there's going to be a little bit more throwing success than what you typically see going against the Georgia defense, which has been like tops in the country in total defense basically each of the last three years. 
Uh, I'm going Knicks more than 246 or more yards passing. I like it. I like it. I've got a. I'm, I went very bland here because I just have no idea what the offense looks like, like we've been talking about. Uh, I got Bucky Irving uh, over 99 and a half yards. So basically, at least he gets 100 yards. Um, I, I think that there's not going to be a lot of successful passes this game. Uh, I'm more worried about George's secondary than than I think their middle linebacker play and their their interior defensive line, except for Jalen Carter. I think he's going to be the main guy. I talked to TJ Bass yesterday and then said they had a lot of prep on that guy, meaning Carter, um, a lot of film review, a lot of stuff like that. So I think they're going to be very cognizant of where that guy is on the field. Um, I think, I I don't know, I think Bucky Irving's the guy who gets the first carry of the game. Uh, it kind of seems like that going into this week, but Maybe. I don't know. I feel like I should have just said a running back has 100 plus yards or at least 100 no, but, but yards. But that's, that's the, that's that team. Be, that's that's the team. team prediction, not that's an individual fair. prediction. But I'm if, saying and, and it and as if, an individual, one of you, those guys. If you did that, Jared, <laughs> if you did that, I would expect our, our scorekeepers at home to deduce points for that. I would expect yeah, that to be take, a uh, take Take three quarters of a duck away from my total score at the end of the, day, end of the year. Um, sure, yeah, we'll go with Bucky Irving. I think he's probably the number one guy. I don't know. Um, but I think one of, I think Oregon's going to go a lot of, a lot more running game. Uh, it, I don't think it'll be reminiscent of last season where uh, it was run or die, but I, I think they'll, they'll figure out a way to get Bucky um, over a hundred yards or over 99 and a half. And I think he'll be somebody to, to come, to come away from that game where you're like, you know, that, that Bucky Irving kid, he's, he's good. Um, I think he'll he'll put on a good little show for for Oregon and the fans. All right, offensive team prediction here. Um, I I've kind of gone back and forth on this, and I'm gonna do it. No turnovers. Ooh. Oregon plays a nearly perfect game offensively. Um, kind of a surprise. And it's going to tie into my game prediction. Oregon's going to play really good defensively or offensively here. And they're not going to have any traditional turnovers. They might have some missed field goals. Maybe they go for it on fourth down in kind of that gray area and don't get it. But no fumbles, no interceptions. Yeah, Matt, I think if – okay, so if we're doing a scoring system, I'm sorry, I'm just obsessing now of how we're going to score this. Matt, Matt should get credit for being a little more bold here than we are because mine is – Mine's, Mine's the least bold one I've ever done. Yeah, I feel, I feel like if <laughs> Oregon runs the football, is that what your yeah. prediction is? <laughs> uh, yeah, over over under uh, half a run attempt, half a yard. I got an over. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like we should score this. Like most bold gets a three point possibility, least bold gets two. What I don't know, we'll get you know, one. However Eric, you it. mentioned like, hey, if you're a big time listener, and you want to do this, go for it. You're doing it for them. You might as well I, just that, that's, like, do that, it. That's what I decided, Jared. Is I figured if I told them exactly how I wanted it to be done, it would be easier for them to do it. <laughs> Instead of you. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'll probably end up doing it. We all know that. But if a listener wants to do it and put it in the comments that they're doing it, I make sure it's three points for the boldest prediction. <laughs> Two points for the least bold, and one or for the for the second most bold, and one for the least. I don't want Jared to get points. Clearly, uh, I don't know. I, don't, I might be less. I don't know. This is kind of boldish, but I think Oregon's going to score more points than any uh, non-Alabama offense did against Georgia in 2021. Um, that bar is not that high. 17 points by Tennessee <laughs> yeah. is the next high. So, again, not super bold, but 
I think Oregon's going to get more than uh, 18 points in this game. Uh, we'll do full score predictions later. Um, that's probably kind of going like, well, that's not very bold. But remember last year, Georgia held Clemson to three points. And that was like right. Clemson team that obviously was kind of underwhelming last year. I mean, shoot, last year's game between Georgia and Clemson had zero offensive touchdowns. So I'm, I mean, predicting any offensive touchdowns feels pretty significant. But I have, uh, I have Oregon scoring at least 18 points, and I'm just going to say that those are all offensive points. That like that those I'm, I'm not, I'm not giving credit for a possible pick six or special teams touchdown. Gotcha. Um, here's my lame. <laughs> lame team prediction. Uh, I have the Oregon offense as a whole just showing a really diverse play calling system. I, I just believe How are we scoring that, this? How are we going to score that one, Jared? I didn't have, <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to like just randomly pick a number. I don't I, I just don't know what to what to put here. I don't know like I just have no information on what the offense is going to do and I just thought that I, you know what here if anybody's who's going to score it at home aka Eric, don't give me a point. Let me let me just can I, let me just explain for a second. Can I get can I tell can I tell you what your prediction should be? It should be like a 55-45 split of offense to like there's no no side no no run. Yeah, but pass. then I would have to keep track of that. And, well, the, the listener will keep track of it. We're already. Oh right, yeah, good. yeah. If the listener wants to write our post game recap story, please be our guest as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I, I I think this is going to open some eyes for for us. They're at the game for folks watching at home on the television. Um, I just think that they're going to play a, they're going to try and play a relatively diverse play calling system. So that, I think that's going to be maybe it's a 50 50 split, maybe it's 70 30, but they go run on like first downs or something like that. Um, or maybe they try a bunch of trick plays. I know that was a mailbag question that we've gotten in the past. Um, I think it's just going to be something way different than what we have been seeing for the last couple of years. Um, and I think, I think my expectation is, yeah, I don't, I don't think Oregon's going to score a lot of points. I, I think anybody who's listened to me for the last couple of weeks have realized that I, they could probably predict my, my, maybe not my score prediction, but who's going to win. But my, I am feeling going into this game, like I am going to come out of this game realizing that this Oregon offense could be fun. It could be a lot of fun. And I know they played Georgia and it's hard to really tell, but I think it's going to be a, a fun year for them and a fun year behind Kenny Dillingham and company. All right. Defensive uh, prediction here, individual. I, I'm going with this being Justin Flo and Noah. Can I, can, okay. Do I have to pick one? Can I combine the two or is that team? Because it's it's think, collective I, unit. I think you're going to make it harder on yourself by having two players show up. So I think from a difficulty perspective, Matt, you can include two individuals. I'll, I'll allow okay. it. I have okay. two individuals as well. I'm, I'm fearful I, from the very beginning of your sentence that we will have the exact same prediction. I, I think Justin Flo and Noah Sewell together are going to have over 25 total tackles in this football game. Wow. I yeah, think we're going to have was... some – we might have some overlap here because I have – I have. Oh, no. I didn't include Justin. <laughs> I did. A, I, I didn't include him. I did a one-person tackle thing, and I have Noah Sewell with a career high in tackles, mm -hmm. and his current career high is fourteen against Arizona last year. So, fifteen tackles or more for Noah Sewell because I think this game will be actually somewhat high-scoring, but I do think what'll be the outcome here is is Georgia will probably have some success early, maybe build a bit of a lead, and then they'll start running the football and maybe not have very much success, by the way, in the second half doing so. And it'll just be Noah Sewell just taking people out 
and, and racking up individual stats. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat as Matt here. Flow Sewell tackles over under 19 and a half, and I took the over. So that's, again, so you said, yeah, I'm. You said 20. Yeah, I said at least 20 combined, the two of them. I originally had it at 22 and a half, um, but I thought that was just a little too high. Um, just I just kind of wondered how many opportunities are the both of them going to get. Um, I could see it if Georgia gets out to a big lead and then starts rushing the ball in the, in the second half and it's like, oh, we're just going to milk the clock. Then that's where they can accumulate a bunch of tackles. Um, I just uh, During the first half, I just don't know how many opportunities both of them are going to get. Uh, I think it's probably more realistic that one of them gets a ton of tackles, like 15, like Eric is talking about, or 16, something crazy like that. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, uh, I think I'm more excited to see Justin Flo just run around the field like a chicken with his head cut off than anything else. <laughs> so aim, aimlessly with no, with no plan and not, and not really making plays, just kind of running around wild. Yeah, and occasionally running into people. Okay, sweet. Yeah. All right, team defense prediction here. Um, I'm with Eric. I think this is going to be a high scoring game and. I think going into this one, we're going to think, hey, Oregon's defense is the strength of this unit. That's the strength of what we thought going into this season. And while they're going to play good, they're going to play against an offense that's got some freaks, and they're going to give up points. And so I I think Georgia scores over 35 points in this game. Uh, And Oregon's defense, while they have sacks, they have tackles for loss, like I just said, so Sewell and Flo have a lot of tackles. Um, the ball is going to be moved up and down the field on on Oregon's defense in this one. So I I have an actual positive Oregon defensive team prediction, and okay. that's because I'm already outlining how. So here's we'll get to game predictions in a moment. I, I think what's going to my my sense and how this game is going to be. I think there will be some a good amount of points. Like the over under is fifty two and a half. I think the over hits. I think we get to a point in this game where it's just going to be Georgia up pretty comfortably running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. And I think at a certain point, like Oregon kind of stiffens up and stops them. And so I have Georgia being held to four or less yards per carry for the game. Um, And that's going to be not because they don't have, I I could see them rushing for 200 yards. I just think at a certain point, they're going to just be running the ball like for a full, you know, up and maybe up and down the field, but just kind of not being, particularly aggressive throwing it just to protect their lead um, that kind of aligns with what they've done in the past to a certain degree um, you know Georgia last year was 13th nationally by the way in terms of rushing offense per carry um, only Clemson and Alabama twice did this uh, last year so um, but I think Oregon's defense will actually have some success against the run I think and this also gets to kind of what how I perceive this Oregon defense maybe right or wrong I also think like Brock Bowers is gonna have a huge day and I think that Georgia is going to be able to throw the football with more success. And like I, we'll get to score, we'll get to the game predictions, how I kind of see it playing out in a moment. But my my sense is like, I think Georgia is going to get ahead by a decent amount early, throwing the football. And then the second half is going to be kind of a bit of a boring half of lots of run plays, kind of just kind of pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball. And Oregon's pretty decent in that area. Um, Oregon has a good front seven, and I think Oregon will do enough there to kind of get that yards per carry below four. All right. I like it. I like it. I have um, in route to Oregon's defense holding Georgia under 30 points. I have three forced turnovers for the Ducks. Mm. Um, I've been saying this to 
basically anybody who will listen. Uh, Oregon needs to make this game as ugly as possible if they want to win. I think that it needs to be really aggressive tackling, trying to force turnovers and all of that, um, jumping routes, just taking, taking, frankly, little precautions of what's going to happen. Um, I think they need to get momentum on their side early. Uh, I think they do in this game. I think in route with one of those three turnovers, I don't, whether you know, it doesn't matter whatever it is—a forced fumble or, or an interception. Just I think they'll they'll force at least a couple turnovers during the game. Um, and I think they still hold, I think, I think Oregon's defense is going to be very good this year. Um, and I think they'll hold Georgia under 30 points. Um, I just, uh, I think Georgia's offense is above average. I don't think it's anything crazy, like a potential USC offense would look like, but, um, I think it's really, it's really good. They've got one of the better O lines in the, in the, probably in the country. Stetson Bennett is a very solid game managing quarterback. Their running game is always strong. They've got good receivers. So I think they'll be able to score points, but I think Oregon's defense is going to, going to showcase that they could, they and Utah are going to be the front runners for the best Pac 12 defense. All right. Score predictions. I I think the worst case scenario for Duck fan is going to play out in Atlanta, Man. Georgia. Oh, boy. Oof. Oregon is going to have. A, a lead at the half. Okay. They are going to be no. in control for three quarters of this game. They will Ooh. go into the fourth quarter with the ball, with the lead, and somehow Georgia comes back a la Auburn in 2019, and they score a very late touchdown, and Oregon loses 38-34. Um I, I think this is going to be more of a feeling of Ohio State, like, oh, my God, Oregon is playing unreal football right now, and they might pull off the upset. The The Auburn loss was Oregon choked that away. They were the better team. They should have won that game. I walked away from the Ohio State feeling like maybe Oregon is really good, but they shouldn't have won this game knowing what was stacked against them. That's how I'm going to feel about this one is, hey, Oregon might steal this. They're going to steal this. Oh, my God, they didn't. And it's going to be heartbreak. Uh, 38-34, Georgia. Oregon covers the spread easily. 17 is a lot of points. Um, and I think the home crowd, national championship, first game back, playing with that you know title on their name. Um, I think Oregon's got some youth in certain positions that's going to maybe cost them a little bit the big moments. Um, just some tough breaks late, and Georgia pulls out the come-from-behind win. I think this is going to be a really good game. Yeah, so I've already kind of given away some of my game script. I have the final being 34-21 Georgia. Um, I, again, I, I, I over-under is 52.5, so I have it just over. Um, I, I My sense is it's going to be like 24-7 at half. Um, Oregon will probably make some good plays. Georgia's just going to have a little bit more, I think, I just get a little concerned about the secondary and I could see like maybe a couple big explosive pass plays being an issue. I could see Oregon actually, like, like I said, I don't think Georgia is going to run the ball at a crazy level. And I could see it being a game where you go to the half and go like, gosh, Georgia's only ran for 45 yards and only at like three and a half yards per carry, but they're still up. They've still scored three touchdowns. And that's going to be because I, I, I do think unlike Matt, I think Oregon will turn the ball over and make a mistake. Bo Nix's track record is kind of, signals that um and, and and i do think the offense will will have some success but not a ton so i think at, at half they're going to be down 
pretty sizable, but they're going to rally in the second half and actually outscore Georgia. And, and maybe it'll be a thing where Georgia ends up scoring a late touchdown or kicking a late field goal to kind of put the game away in the fourth quarter where Oregon has rallied enough where you're kind of going like, oh, all right, I like to see this. Like, this is encouraging. They, they, they're showing a little bit, a little bit of metal here at the end. Um, but like Matt, ultimately, I have a hard time seeing Oregon closing this one out. I really hope I'm wrong. I mean, I, I think the funny thing is we see on the message board and on social media fans being like kind of questioning uh, kind of who we are covering this team. And, and obviously, you know, do we do we care about this team? It's not about that, guys. Like, obviously, we'd love to see Oregon win these games, both because Jared went to school here. Matt and I grew up in Eugene. We've been around these programs for a really long time. But also because from our job, it makes it a lot more fun when Oregon's winning a ton of games and the fans are really excited. So, like, we want that to be the outcome. But you also have to be somewhat realistic in these. And I know they beat Ohio State last year. That was awesome. We didn't expect that one. I think it'd be really fun if Oregon surprises us again and, and upsets Georgia. But I just think right now I have a hard time seeing that happen. And, again, I will be ecstatic if I'm wrong on Saturday. Yep, I'm in the same boat. Um, I also don't see this happening, just like I didn't see Oregon and Ohio State last year. Um, I think this will be a good football game, like Matt said. Uh, I, I don't think it'll be as high scoring. Um, I think a lot of people are going to come away. A lot of Oregon fans, I think specifically, are going to come away with, you know, this team's this team's pretty good. They they have a chance here. Um, it's really difficult when the first game of the season and the first game of a new head coach is against the number three team in the country. Who, Eric, I know you'll be excited, but the, our good friends at the 247sports.com just came out with the college football team talent composite. Oh, we did. Oh, Oregon's yeah. in a good position. Oregon is seventh overall. I'm oh. sorry. This is in the middle of my prediction. Um, with well, eight, I'm, with, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually thrilled with this news because I've been waiting all, all right. fall for this. So they, their uh, talent composite score is 877.93, and Georgia is sitting at number two at 989.76. So over 100 composite score points um, difference, and I think that could ultimately become the deciding factor in what this game is. Um, I have Oregon losing 28-14. to 14. Again, I think this is going to be an ugly game. I think they're going to cover the spread because it's 17 points. Um, I debated between whether this was a 28 to 13 game where Oregon's only going to score by making field goals, because I think Georgia's red zone defense is going to be quite good this season. Um, I, I just think it's that the, the defense of Georgia is going to be too much. I know they lost a lot of guys in the NFL draft. I've talked about it. We've all talked about it. Um, they've returned studs at a lot of places. Linebackers are a little bit worrisome. Raquan Davis is now in the NFL. Um, I think that's going to be a little bit difficult to to kind of cover up and, and defensive lapses. But their secondary is really good. Their defensive line is really good. Um, I think it's going to give Oregon all they can handle. The Ducks still have a lot of young dudes at wide receiver that are going to be – that Georgia's going to be really physical with off the line of scrimmage. I don't think Oregon won't match the physicality of Georgia. I just think that Georgia's just a better team. I think it's going to be – if there could be something, I think it's going to be a good loss for Oregon. I think they're going to showcase that, hey, you know, this is one of the best teams in the country. It's okay to lose this game. I think they're going to be in it for a while. I think it's going to be close during the first half. I just think ultimately Georgia's talent level, um, Stetson Bennett as a good game manager is going to come through. Um, 
but I think there's going to be a lot of good signs for Oregon fans look going forward and seeing how Dan Lanning has reacted and how he has coached in his first collegiate game. Uh, I think he's going to get a lot of credit from the national media who are there. Um, I think all in all, if it could be a good loss for Oregon, I think this is going to be the game. What real quick, I want to, I'm, I'm siding with Jared. I'm happy that you know he thinks it's going to be a good game too. Um, but what would constitute like the worst outcome? I, because Eric's kind of is bad too. Like you just get obliterated in the first half. But it's not it's not pretty. Twenty four seven. It's not a thousand, yeah. but it's not great. And then you make a run in the fourth. You know, make a run in the second half, and maybe gives you some false hope that hey, maybe we're coming back. Maybe we can win. Or would you rather lose? Oh, in heartbreaking fashion at the very end. Oh wow. Um, like I, I don't know we're talking you, we're talking worse loss right yeah like the, like, are, you, are you asking of the, of, the, of the ways of the ways we've talked about it or just like what the worst possible outcome is what's the worst possible I mean outside of just getting obliterated for for 60 minutes right and so not having a chance I got a hot take on this one okay I uh, are we talking from a reporter's perspective or a fan's perspective no from a fan perspective oh it give me a complete and utter of, of, of annihilation in the first 20 minutes of the football game so that I can go watch the next game. Do right. not give me Auburn in 2019. Yeah, I was going to say, man, um, that's a, okay. So here, here's what I'm comparing this to off my head is I'm comparing to the Stanford loss and then the two Utah losses. Which ones felt worse? Which Stanford loss? Utah. Well, <laughs> see, I think I think this last year's Stanford loss felt really. I, I actually would be curious to hear what that was. That, that was, was that was the worst one. That was as, really from, tough, man. From I, covering this team, that was just diabolical. Yeah, that one was really tough. And then I was going to say, then if you go back to the Stanford loss in 2018, when uh, when Verdell fumbled it and they kicked the field goal to go to overtime, those are just. Oh, those are gut punch losses. So, yeah. and the Auburn losses, you said, like, I just think about how I felt leaving the stadium those games. And, like, if you'll remember, the Stanford, we did a podcast after this last year's Stanford loss, and we, we, we left in my reaction beforehand where I was just like, I'm just effing sad right now. <laughs> like, I was just like, <laughs> I'm just tormented. This was brutal. I, 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 I would take, uh, I would take just getting kind of waxed in the first half, and it's not super competitive in the first half. And, you know, you've got things to work on as opposed to just it being really, really close and you just feel like you get knifed in the back at the last second. But I also get Matt's point, too, of like, if you don't think you're competitive in the very first game of the season, that's going to be kind of hard to hard to carry on from there. But I'm not predicting it's going to be like ugly. I just think, you know, 17 points in the first half doesn't feel ridiculous. And then they make it a little closer in the second. Uh, I don't think it'll be ugly either. I think I think this will be a close game. I think these teams are, I, I guess, they're sort of similar in ranking in terms of three and eleven, as they're within like a ten number stretch. But uh, talent composite, they're pretty, they're pretty close. Um, I, I think they're closer than what most people expect in terms of pure talent on both rosters. So I, I don't think it'll be an ugly game. Uh, I think Oregon's going to hang in it. I just think Georgia's more experienced at this level. You know, I, I, here's another thing that I, I listened to Josh Pate, who does Late Kick Live for 24-7 Sports. Um, he, he was mentioning that Georgia just hasn't been talked about this entire offseason, which I never even thought to think of. 
Like it's all been about conference realignment and things like that. And Georgia's this defending national champion off of one of the best hmm. uh, seasons ever in college football. You know, their one loss, their defense that was one of the best ever in college football history by statistically. Um, nobody, nobody has talked to them, and they've they've gone out and added a lot of good players and recruiting and like Eric Gilbert in the transfer portal. Uh, they returned their starting quarterback who won a national championship. I think Dan Lanning mentioned yesterday that Stetson Bennett doesn't get enough credit for what he did as winning a national champion. Um, I just think this is a Georgia team that's going to be in a very similar position as they were last year. And I think when we look up in just at the end of December or early January and they're in the college football playoff or in the national title game, I think we'll all say to ourselves, you know, Oregon played them pretty well. I think that's a good thing. Next time you hear us on the podcast, uh, it's going to be from some room in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The three of us will be talking about what happened on the football field, what we learned following it with speaking with Dan Lanning and other players. And maybe it's another surprise at Ohio State where we walk away just shocked that Oregon wins. Maybe it's a gut-wrenching loss like Auburn from a couple years ago. Uh, or maybe it's a game where Oregon just can't get over the hump and they're and they're just fighting to, to stay you know close all game long. Who knows what it is? But all three of us will be there. Hopefully you guys will be there with us listening to the podcast post game. Until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace.